Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. God tells us that uh, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and the cost you all you have, get understanding. So we spent the summer exploring the book of Proverbs and talking about all sorts of the many different topics that challenge us and inspire us and encourage us to walk out practical applications every day of our life. As we conclude our series, uh, before I do that, I want to invite you to uh, come back the next two weeks and invite your friends. We're going to have Alain Auguste uh, as our special speaker. You may remember him from speaking earlier this year. It was, for me, one of the most inspiring days of the year, hearing his story. He's going to have a lot for you the next couple weeks. It's going to be a great series. I hope you'll come back and bring your friends because it's just going to be fantastic. Today... Uh, We're going to talk about a final piece of wisdom that I think touches the dream that each and every single one of us has in our hearts. Uh, To get there, uh, let me go at it this way. Did you hear this last week? That somebody won the $522 million Mega Millions lottery this last week. That's a lot of money, isn't it? My daughter, uh, my kids supply most of the humor in my life. She brought me this little uh, uh, picture from somebody's lottery numbers a couple years ago. So... So sad, so very sad to be so close and yet so far from being the winner. <laughs> that's, just, that's just really unfortunate. So now, honestly, honestly, how many of you have ever dreamed of winning the lottery, the publisher's clearinghouse or something like that? And how many of you, when you've dreamed about that or talked about that, have said something like this? You said... I would love to win that, and man, I would have so much fun giving so much money away. And then you name a bunch of uh, charities that you uh, are really passionate about. So um, this is really the theme of the Bible, too. This desire of generosity is a major theme throughout the Bible, especially in Proverbs. And and okay, some of you I know right now are starting to think, you know, he's just going to talk about money, and and I kind of wish I would have stayed home in bed or gone out to mid-morning brunch. This is not that kind of a message where it's not all about money. It's so much bigger than that. I'm not going to arm twist. I'm not going to condemn anyone. I'm not going to lay a bunch of pressure on. What I am going to do is hopefully take a few moments to inspire you to live the dream that you dream about when you say statements like that about winning the lottery, that you'll experience that joy in your life. Uh, so maybe maybe you remember Clicker Sundays around here. It's uh, If you've been here long enough, you know in late January, early February, we do this uh, Sunday where we bring in an instant response system. We call it the Clicker Survey. And uh, we ask some different assessment questions, uh, all anonymously, and we get to see people's live answers show up on the, on the stream. All the aggregate, not your individual. We don't know it's you. It's anonymous, right? So we used to, years ago, do these questions about uh, attitude and desires toward giving. And we stopped that because for year after year after year, 75% of the people responding or more said, consistently answered, I really want to live a generous life, and I believe that's part of God's dream for my life. And your answers kind of revealed that I don't feel like I'm living fully that dream yet. And honestly, that's the reason why we don't talk a lot about giving 
here. We actually spend a lot more time talking about things like Financial Peace University, learning the skill so we can live the dream and the blessing in all areas of our finances, including the dream we have to be generous. So one way we see major themes in the Bible as we study it is to look at different words and how prevalent they are. So, you know, we think about believe. Believe is a really important idea to our faith. The word believe shows up in the Bible 272 times. Prayer, we think that's really important to our faith, right? Of course we do. And, then, and that shows up 371 times. The word love, that's, that's like central to being like Jesus and following him, and that's 714 times. The word give doesn't seem all that important to faith and life and being spiritually mature, and yet the, 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 and yet the Bible has that word 2,161 times. Why is that? Honestly, it's because God is a generous God. God gave his only son for us. And the generous part of God becomes a generous desire in all of us because we are created in the image of God. And when we follow him, our desires become even more like him. And God is extravagantly generous. Today I want to remind us and encourage you in some of the principles of being generous and how important that is. And Proverbs highlights it in many different ways. Let's start by looking at chapter 11. It says, one person gives freely and yet gains more. Another withholds unduly and becomes, but comes to poverty. So let me make just a general observation about this. When the Bible talks about the motivation for generosity, only infrequently does it talk about how hurting and struggling and the people who receive our generosity will be blessed, and therefore our giving should be motivated by that. Now, understand, certainly compassion should be a part of our generosity. I mean, I love it, you love it, don't you? When you get to give a gift and it makes a huge difference in somebody else's life, that's a great motivator. But interestingly, the Bible talks mostly about the motivation for generosity being what it does for the person who gives. It enriches the giver's life. It, it makes their world larger, fuller. It, it unleashes gain and, and refreshes the life of the giver. And we know that to be true about generosity, don't we? It's, it's the reason we dream fondly about wealth and the ability to be generous. And it's a reason it makes us feel good about life. According to the old saying, we uh, make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Mother Teresa says it this way. She says, a life not lived for others is not a life. See, generosity is such a pleasing thought to us that because we know it's the essence of a good life, it enhances the quality of our lives. So today's Let's, let's spend time dreaming and allowing God's dream to both enhance our lives today and, and help us dream of generosity even more. And the reason I say enhance and even more is because, frankly, I am so honored and blessed to lead here at Quest. You are, I think, one of the most generous, if not the most generous church I have been a part of. I don't know if I've been around a church that's more generous than you. Living into that dream of generosity, trying to be skillful and managing your finances so you live the dreams that God's placed in your heart in a really intentional way. It shows in how we give to people in their times of need. All, all the money you give to Quest Care and the many gifts that you give to people who are friends outside of Quest Care just directly when they're in need. It, it shows in how you give your time to volunteer in children's ministry and youth ministry and tutoring kids and 
those of you volunteering in, in prisons and ministering to the homeless, it shows in how we together reach out with our time and with our money, like last evening at the HOA party, just to be a good neighbor and bring blessing to our community. It is so much fun. It shows actually in how a group of our people are moving forward with one of, I think, one of the most exciting foreign mission projects I've ever been able to be a part of. We have huge doors open for us right now in Russia to spread the gospel through meeting the needs of children, adults, and families with special needs. Now, I, I, I expect to be able to tell you more about that in August and early September, but not long ago, Todd Rose, our missionary there, was rightly expecting to be kicked out because almost all the missionaries were kicked out of Russia in the last couple of years because of the anti-extremism laws that are just repressing religious freedom all across Russia. And yet now, just a few weeks ago, he and Katya were actually interviewed on Russia's version of Good Morning America in Moscow about special needs. God is opening so many amazing doors. We're going to have a tremendous opportunity to support that with our time, our talent, our prayers, and our money in the coming months. In all of these areas, we are not talking just about money. You are very generous there. We're actually talking as much about what's most valuable to us, our time. We're talking about how freely and generously you give away your talents to other people, your, your patience, your compassionate care for others around you. And I could keep going. You are a generous church, and it makes a huge difference in so many ways. So, so let's, let's celebrate what God is doing today. And let's, let's just ask Him to and continue to enrich that joy in our lives and allow Him to help us live that dream even more fully. To do that, we're going to take a moment to, to be inspired by the rich wisdom of the Bible as far as the benefits to our lives of being generous. We talk about this, uh, we're going to talk about this today, and I, before I go further, I want to credit Chris Hodges. He talks about the genius and the power of generosity regularly, and I'm borrowing a number of ideas from him for how we're going about this today. So first, the first benefit, the generous are happy. Think about it. Have you ever stopped at a lemonade stand to buy a drink, knowing you probably were never going to drink the drink because you just saw the kid mixing the lemonade with their hands that they just finished licking off after the candy bar in the hot sun melted all over their hands? So, so why did you stop? Well, yeah, it brought pleasure to them, but it brought joy to you in doing that act. Wendy teaches psychology at Franklin University in Columbus State as well, and she, she often talks about the science of this, doing generous acts of kindness with our time and talents and compassion and our finances actually releases neurochemicals into our brain that give us what psychologists and scientists call the helper's high. It actually can reduce pain because it releases dopamine and serotonin into the brain and endogenous opioids. It, it reduces stress. It boosts the immune system. It reduces anger, anxiety, and depression. Think about it. Isn't God awesome in how he creates positive, healthy benefits from doing something that is so good, so enjoyable, and beautiful? The next verse in Proverbs 11 from what we read earlier says it this way. It says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, prosper doesn't just mean money. It can mean money. It actually means fullness, richness of life in every way. You want refreshing in your life? You, you want those chemicals re released in your brain that will stimulate happiness and joy in your life? God designed great benefit in you living the dream you have of generosity. See, I think that's the reason 
Actually, I've been actually a little more happy the last couple of weeks with all the, the stress of getting ready for vacation and everything else going on and stuff like that. And it's not just vacation. I've been thinking all the time about the festival to end poverty. I love it that the Quest team has come up with creative ways to do the drives, to meet needs. If, if you don't have any money to buy anything, you can still meaningfully participate by donating stuff that's left over at home. You can donate your old Kroger and Walmart and Meyer plastic shopping bags. They get made into mats and blankets for the homeless and distributed to them. You can donate your time and helping collect more food or more bags or things from neighbors. You can donate your old eyeglasses. I, I got to talk to Miriam Cooper this last week, who's part of our outreach team, and she's leading the eyeglasses. Uh, she was the one that kind of came up with that passion idea, the eyeglass donation, donating old eyeglasses. And she was tearing up with excitement about it. She was telling me about an article she just read recently when she was researching this. The New York Times put out this, this, this research that said one billion people in the world need eyeglasses and have absolutely no hope of ever getting them unless they're given to them. She told me actually one story from the organization we're going to put all the donations through about, uh, about one young lady in an impoverished third world country who uh, all of her relatives, everybody around her thought she was severely, severely mentally disabled and just going to be pretty much non-functional in a lot of ways her whole life. Uh, until the missions team of Christian optometrists showed up and diagnosed that without glasses she couldn't see beyond the end of her nose. And they gave her a pair of used glasses that somebody else donated, and she was able to go to school and learn and get a job and be a participant in society in such a positive way. Your old throwaway eyeglasses can provide that kind of educational job and social well-being while empowering Christian missionaries to share the gospel overseas at no additional cost to you. A second benefit of generosity. The generous are compassionate. Proverbs 29 says, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. And honestly, everywhere the church is, poverty lessens. People who are broken find hope for change. People become better employees. Christian churches in America provide more charity toward the poor than any other single group of people by far, year after year, for decades that's been true in the numbers. By the way, one of the reasons I am so proud of you as a church, as a generous church, is that I feel like your generosity has so much potential for societal change. In fact, I believe part of our call at Quest is to affect the generosity of our community as a whole. According to How America Gives 2017 research, Columbus is tied for the 11th least generous city out of the top 50 cities in America. Ohio has consistently been bumping in and out of the bottom 10 least of the generous states in the nation. Overall, you, the people of Quest, are leading the way in modeling skillful, intentional use of your money for the glory of God by living generous lives, and that is positively infectious. Jesus comments on this and actually adds a few more practical points to of wisdom from Matthew 6. Allow me just to highlight two of the things I think Jesus is saying here. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what he's saying there, just two of the points, generosity as God wired in us, is based in an eternal perspective. 
we see life as longer and bigger than this life of ours that we're living. We recognize that we can't take anything with us and the blessings that go with us are only the people we take in faith in God and the blessings that those people we help lead to faith in God multiply in other people's lives in this earth. So what motivates us to generosity is that eternal perspective. But Jesus gives a second wise tip as well. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and obviously in the context, Jesus is continuing, at least in part, talking about when we invest in life beyond this life by how we use time and money. But, but don't miss the second big tip of wisdom that's also in that statement, which is this. We often wait to give until we're cheerful. But Jesus, or we want to, but Jesus is saying, where your treasure goes, your heart will follow. So wisdom leads us to create a determined, consistent habit of being generous, whether we feel like it or not. And that habit leads our heart to the joy of generosity. So sometimes we give time, money, forgiveness, patience, our talents, even when we don't feel like it. The wise let their generosity lead their heart and don't wait for their heart to lead their generosity. Because generous as followers of God is an act of faith. So third, the benefit. The generous are blessed. Now, now, before we go on to this point, let's get something straight. Portions of the church have greatly abused this idea, turning it into, I will give to get blessed. When we make that our motivation, it will always corrupt our pursuit of generosity and corrupt our pursuit of being like Jesus. But at the same time, we need to recognize this principle is all throughout the Bible. When we give, we do get something back. But our motivation needs to stay where Jesus wants it to stay. Our generosity is because Jesus is so generously loving and we want to be like him. That is the motivation he wants us to live from. So with that in mind, Proverbs 22 says this, the generous themselves will be blessed for they share their food with the poor. Proverbs 28 says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing, but those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. So if you're going to be a generous person, then the obvious conclusion is that God who is generous will get behind your generosity and empower it to increase because we're blessed to be a blessing. And though the, though the blessing you may receive in return may not be money, God may very well bless you financially when you give financially so that you can give more because God, is who is generous, loves to get behind people who are generous. So Proverbs 3 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop. So if God's first in your life, you will give your first and best. And that, we understand that. We always give our first and best to the persons who are most important in our lives. It's a natural expression of love. I love my kids. I prioritize themselves, them above myself. I forego some things I want. Why? Because I love them, because it's meaningful to me, because it brings joy to my life to bless them in that way. When we worship our God, our response of generosity comes off the top. And it's best when we truly love him with a promise. It comes with a promise. It goes on and says, Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. 
The fourth benefit, the generous are protected. So Malachi talks to this. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that, your food, that there may be food in my house. There may be supply for the mission of God through all of us. And test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven, pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Again, God blesses those who are generous, blessed to be a blessing. But the text actually goes on from there about the blessing also being a sense of protection. It says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, a delightful life. I was talking to Heidi Wilson a couple weeks ago, and she gave me permission to, to share this. A few years back when Heidi and her husband were going through Financial Peace University, they decided they were going to become more skillful in managing their money. And as part of that process, they also decided they were going to do what God asks, and they were going to give the first and the best to God. So they took the big leap for them of going to a minimum of a full tithe, a full 10% of their income right off the top, giving it to God's work. Heidi went on to share that after that, she started noticing it seemed like things began to last longer. So she called her dad, who was a faithful believer in, in this as well, and he told her the story. He, he ended up telling her the story. He said, Heidi, I remember a time when money was really tight years ago. I needed to get gas in the car. I only had 3 or $4 in my pocket, a fraction of what it would cost to fill the tank, which was on empty, and, and I needed a full tank. So he said, I pulled into the gas station, I put the nozzle in, started pumping, and I was trying to pay attention, and I didn't put too much in, and the gas sounded like it was coming out normal, but, but, but the numbers on the screen were going really slow. The gallon numbers were going up, moving up really slow. And so he said he let it go, thinking there was probably something wrong with the pump, but before he got to the level of money he had in his pocket, it actually clicked off, and the tank was at full. So he... Being the honest guy that he is, he walked into the, the tenant and said, I need to pay for this, but i got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm certain I got a whole bunch more gas than I, could, I, I, I am paying for. That I, something's wrong with the pump. And the guy looked at him and said, no, they were just checked the other day. They're, they're serviced. They're all, they're all perfectly certified to be given the right amount. You're, you're fine. And he walked away from that day, still to this day, believing that was a miracle of provision protection, making stuff go further, last longer, multiply, protecting. We see that in the story of the Israelites in Exodus. God promises through all their walking through the rugged wilderness that their shoes will last and the things that they have will last, and he did make them last. Now, that doesn't mean then nothing bad's going to happen. No setbacks will happen. We had plenty of setbacks this week just trying to get out ready for vacation. Things broke that we weren't planning on. It was a mess. And, but in my life, I've noticed on the whole that God delivers on this promise to protect so faithfully. Things so often last longer. Things are protected more. Fifth benefit. The generous are rewarded. This one is really cool. And this has... Nothing to do with being a good enough person so God will get you to heaven. Salvation is a gift, period. No other way to get salvation but a gift. And yet there is this theme in Proverbs in the New Testament that if we are followers of Jesus, when we get to heaven, we will get rewarded for how generous we have been, how well we have lived our lives to the glory of God and for God's purposes in our life, sharing his love with other people. And we will all stand before him and we'll get to hear those words, hopefully, that we all want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. 
Proverbs 19 says it this way. It says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Whoever is generous to the poor, time, money, offering your talent to help lift them, lift them up to a better place, helping them most importantly come to faith in Jesus and learn that they are loved, they are valuable, they are gifted, they are awesome human beings, that God has a wonderful purpose for them, learning to walk in that knowledge and that wisdom. But did you catch what was so astounding about this passage? God, our Creator, the one who has created us, the one who has given us everything we have, who owes us absolutely nothing, and on top of that, He still gives His life for us to pay the price for our rebellion against Him so that we can be loved. That radically generous God, that God, still delights in giving us a reward for the generosity we have demonstrated in this life. Isn't that mind-blowing to think about that? For every one of us who follow God and pursue living generous like He invites us to live our lives, there will be this moment in heaven where God comes and says, I have some things for you I want to reward you with. And in that moment, because we will be so in awe of his presence, and rightly so, we will all say, no, no. And God's going to say, yeah, this is my delight to reward you. I'm going to do it anyway. The same idea is reflected in the very last words of Jesus recorded in Revelation 22. He says, look, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. And I'll give to each person according to what they have done. Again, it's not talking about salvation. That's a gift we receive. And yet there is this joyful motivation to help us grow in the joy and the purpose and the, uh, of God in our life to advance His mission in this earth that God is so thrilled with us becoming more like Him that He rewards us. Those who are more intentional more generous in following Jesus, more willing to share his love with other people and invite people to that love, will receive a greater eternal reward than those who are less intentional and less generous in this life. So think about it this way. A few years back, we started the Thrive Counseling Coaching Center. It was a dream of, of Wendy and I for the church since we, our first year at Quest in 2009. And we started somewhere, I forgot to look it up, somewhere around 2015 is when the center got started. Today, half of the Thrive client base are people who are not currently followers of Jesus. And our goal was to help increase the peace and prosperity of the community by providing high-quality, professionally-run counseling at an affordable rate that included a very non-pressured, inviting, no-pushiness, no, no gospel-relational touch to the community. Now, the reason Thrive started in 2015 is because of the generous donations of people within the church and one person outside the church who donated significantly to it. Those generous gifts, they didn't determine the vision of what God is doing, but they sure helped it move forward. See, God is devising rewards for each of us in our generosity toward his work in this earth. The people who helped get that started, I'm sure, are going to have a reward for the fact that over half the people there are unchurched and they're hearing the gospel, and that pleases God to no end. It's as Chris Hodges, pastor of one of the largest and best churches in America, once said, what we do for ourselves usually dies with us. What we do for others lives beyond us. 
Psalm 112 puts it this way regarding the reward of the generous. It says, They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. They will have a legacy from their life. For our generosity, though, to be more than just a random act of kindness and instead actually build that legacy of honor for God, there needs to be an intentional connection to you and to the gospel of Jesus, the why for our generosity. We give, we are generous because of the love of God, and that's what motivates us. I heard a story recently that challenged me a great deal in this regard. A man was coming home from work one day, and uh, he was stopped on the street by a homeless man and, uh, for help, asking for help. And for some reason that day, he just he felt like he needed He felt like God was prompting him to do something. So he, he helped the homeless man gather up his belongings and took him to a nearby hotel. He purchased a room for him for the night so he could have a warm, comfortable place to sleep and a shower. And then he went home, and because he was the same size as the man, including same shoe size and all, he gathered up some of his clothes and one of his best pairs of comfortable shoes, and he took it back along with the bunch of food for a great meal so he'd have a great meal and when he got to the hotel he walked up to the desk and said to the desk clerk could you please uh, deliver this to the room of this man such a cool thoughtful helpful way to do things he he really blessed the man he met significant needs without potentially supplying him cash that could fuel an alcohol or or drug addiction at the time and he could have walked away in that moment and done a really nice thing But no one would ever know that it was because of his love for Jesus, his desire to be like Jesus, or a sense that God was saying, love this man for me right now. That man would have never known God initiated love towards him. But he didn't do that. Because in church, it encouraged the people of church to not just do random acts of kindness, but explicitly connect those acts of generosity and love to the gospel, to the love of God. So his church had supplied people with cards uh, similar to this one. Small, easy to carry, uh, but just says on the front, something extra to show you that God loves you, with information on the back about the church. And inside, it's completely blank. So, so he could write a note, a personal note about his interaction with her, or, or an encouraging prayer saying, this is what I'm praying for you, and I, I believe in you. And, and, and because this man did that, his act had a powerful gospel effect. Now, No one knows in this story what happened to the homeless man. But the hotel desk clerk who saw the note and delivered the gift to the man's room thought about that act of generous love for the rest of her entire shift. And because she knew it was motivated by an act of love that God had prompted, she thought about God for the rest of her entire shift and her life all that night in relation to God as she worked. And because the note was attached to a church, She thought, well, if this man is that kind and generous and that inspiring to me and what he did, then his church must be a pretty safe place to go and try to discover God. And she came to church because of that personal connection, gave her life to Christ, and radically was changed in her life. Why? Because it wasn't some mysterious disconnected, random, anonymous act of kindness where we superstitiously hope that a gospel connection through some sort of mystical spiritual encounter will make our action into something eternally meaningful. Rather, and and, and risk leaving it just be a passing nice emotion with no gospel connection at all. 
So why did this challenge me? Because I said this challenged me. And here's why. Because I grew up in the church in an era when there were lots of little paper tracks that looked similar to these cards that people would just kind of cram down other people's throats. And it was just so, so often so rude and impersonal and lacking in meaning. So giving a card like this, for me, feels too much like that too easily. But this and other stories have made me rethink. How much is that really just my baggage to prevent gospel connections in a meaningful way, in simple ways? And is it really wise or good for my baggage to prevent simple gospel connections just because I don't want to create something that used to feel uncomfortable to me or feel uncomfortable to somebody else? I mean, sure, we know that words and personal, personal sharing and the deeper the relationship, the better. That's really important. But, but a simple, encouraging, affirming note attached to a card who cover says, God loves you, with a church information on back, helped initiate a personal connection as they looked at this card. So, so what's the difference, actually, when you look at this card? What's the difference between this and the Hallmark cards you buy? You give somebody for a thank you card or whatever. It's a simple message that says, I did this because God loves you. It isn't impersonal because you actually take the moment to write something specific and that you know about them or write a specific personal prayer that you know about they want, they want prayer for because you were compassionate enough to listen and know them, even if just for a moment. So if I were to use this card in a, a restaurant, here's how it might look. I would write a quick, specific note, personally encouraging note to the waiter before leaving it, and, and I'd leave an extra tip, with an extra big tip with him. And that wouldn't be impersonal. You know why? Because I wouldn't leave this note unless I'd actually gone through the intention of being kind in conversation and finding out how their day was going, how their week was going, and if I could, if I, I would only leave this if I'd found out something personal so I could actually interact with them on a personal basis and write a prayer about that. You know, how many waiters and waitresses have you been with where you ask, how you doing? And they go, I'm not so good. My kids are a mess this week. I don't know if that happens. It happens to me a lot. I would write them a simple note saying, hey, just praying for you and your kids this week. And here's a little something to help make your day a little better. And, uh, you know, if you need help, just give us a call. We'd love to bless you and help you more. You know, leave a generous tip. If you want to do something anonymous, uh, just do the same thing. Write a personal note. Just don't sign it to them. But at least give a chance that they would connect your act to God and God's love for them. Make it easier for God to explicitly interact with them in that moment because you draw their attention and their thoughts to Him. Give a chance that they might really find and want to pursue a healthy place like Quest where they could discover answers to their questions and discover relationship with God in a better way. You might leave a note of encouragement through a card like this for a coworker or who's having a rough day or a friend you're praying for. Some of you are honestly really great at sending encouraging notes to people. You know what? Instead of buying those Callmark cards, just grab these. We'll print them free for you. And you never have to buy another card again. I want to invite you, like God is inviting me, to get over our baggage. 
and explicitly, personally, relationally through something personal we write, connect God's love to our acts of kindness and generosity toward other people instead of superstitiously hoping that God can somehow make the connection without us. I mean, why would we want to make it harder for God to connect to someone? He's asked us to be his ambassadors, his messengers. Let's be more clear in our communication with people. So we got a bunch of these printed up. You can grab them by the door on the way out. There's a whole bunch. If we run out of them, we'll print more, so grab them. And so let me clarify something. Am I saying you should give one of these to every waiter or waitress you go to and give them an extra large tip every time? No, I'm not saying that. I mean, please, please at least tip 17 to 20% so you aren't one of those after-church eat-out Christians who gives the church a bad name of being stingy, right? What I am asking you to do, though, is walk through your day praying and asking God to show you where you can express generosity with your time, with your words, with your thought, with your prayer, with your money, with your talents, and follow his lead and if you sense he really wants you to do something at lunch today, then, then get to know your waiter a little bit, write a personal note, and go ahead and leave him a big tip. And just bless him. Worship team, come on back up. Let's end with this. If you want to live the full joy and the dream of the generous life God has for you, the dream God has placed in your heart, the primary thing each one of us needs to know is to experience God's radically generous love for yourself. You cannot share what you don't know, what you haven't experienced. So Jesus has this interaction recorded in all four of the eyewitness accounts of his life, and there aren't that many stories recorded in all four, so that means it's really important for us to understand God. A prostitute in this, in this, in this encounter that, that walks into a meeting where Jesus is eating with a bunch of religious leaders and other mucky mucks as well as his disciples. And, and in, his, in, her, in her hand, she walks in with this bottle of expensive perfume, valued at one year's worth of wages. So let's just say this is a bottle of perfume worth $50,000, okay? She's weeping. She begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair and, and dry them with her hair. And she opens the bottle of perfume. Instead of just putting one little drop, she pours the whole thing over his feet. And a number of the leaders in the room were indignant. They were aghast that she would waste so much. It should have been given to the poor. And in Luke 7, we see Jesus respond to their judgment, answering decisively, saying, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. Can you imagine what it would have been like for her to hear that in that moment? For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. See, our generosity is in direct measure to how much we realize our need for forgiveness and how much we allow ourselves to experience how greatly, extravagantly, relentlessly, deeply, and perfectly we are loved by God. Many of you have experienced this kind of love and this forgiveness. You know this kind of love. And for some of you, life has gone on and it's just kind of gone into the shadows of the past. You've almost forgotten it. Jesus took your past, your present, and your future sin upon himself so you and I could be forgiven, free from the guilt and shame, and experience his love unhindered. 
And Jesus says, in addition to that, he's gone away to heaven and he's preparing a place for you right now. He's building a home for you right now there. He's thinking of you right now. If Jesus has a refrigerator, your picture's on the front of it. The more we realize that, the more we experience God's love, the more compassionate and generous we become. So if you're here today and you're sitting here thinking, I'm, I'm walking through life and I'm, I'm carrying a whole bunch of guilt and shame and the weight of that and regret, and I've never experienced God's love like that. Or, or maybe you're here and you, you have experienced that love and that forgiveness at one time, but life and how you've responded to it has taken you away from what you once know and caused you to be in a place again in life where you feel like you're carrying all the weight of the guilt and the shame on your life. See, to live a generous life, to live a free life in Jesus, it means we start by knowing and walking in the radical, generous love and forgiveness of God. And that starts by accepting his forgiveness and turning toward God as a follower of Jesus or back to God as a follower of Jesus if you distance yourself. If you want to make that decision today, would you just join me in prayer? Let's just all pray. Father, we are so amazed and overcome by the, how much you love us. How radically generous you are. And Lord, it is such a delight for us to think about the joy of living a generous life. And that's exactly what you invite us to. So Father, I pray today, wherever we're at, each one of us in that regard, that you would speak to us about how pleased you are with the generosity we've demonstrated in our life so far. You would help us to sense your joy over us. And the Lord, we would sense just a, a beautiful invitation from you. I pray your spirit would help us sense a beautiful invitation to walk into that even more. Lord, so we get to experience the joy. We get to experience a life lived with legacy. And Lord, and Lord for those here who have who are walking with guilt and shame, who feel like you're distant from them or, or they've never known your forgiveness, Lord, I pray that your spirit would come right now and that you would just flood over them, that they would sense your love and your pleasure in them, your hope for them, your promise for them. If you're that person who's carrying the guilt and shame, why don't you just pray in your own words right now, just something like this, just saying, God, forgive me. I need your forgiveness. And Lord, thank you that you love me, that you take all the guilt and shame away, past, present, future. I can walk free in you, knowing your love. So Lord, I, I turn my life over to you. Or I turn my life back to you again, Lord, because I've become distant. And Lord, would you just propel me forward in living like you live and knowing your love and experiencing your love more each day and turning around and just sharing that same love so generously through everything I am, everything you've gifted me in, everything you give me, Lord, would you just come and take it all and let me live this beautiful life that just makes such a difference and brings so much joy to me and to so many others. Just come, Holy Spirit. Would you do that on all of us now? 
And Lord, even as we now turn again to expressing our worship towards you through song, would you just meet us in this moment? Would you just do what seems confounding to us and so weird and so, so unnecessary? Would you receive our praise that you so deserve? And would you just come and shower us with blessings of your Spirit's presence and your joy over us even now as we sing? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.